Welcome to another work from home edition of Market Week in Review for the week ending April 24th, 2020. I'm Brian Yadow, and I'm joined today by Russell Investments Senior Investment Strategist, Paul Eidelman. Paul, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Uh, so as this week uh, wraps up and most of us continue to work from home, uh, we certainly don't have a shortage of market headlines to discuss. Uh, I do want to focus on a few key topics here this morning. Uh, first, we'll get your take on some of the more extreme uh, oil market moves that we've seen this week. Uh, we'll also want to get your thoughts on some of the macroeconomic data points that have come out uh, and wrap things up with your early thoughts on earnings season. Does that sound good? Yeah, it does. All right, great. Uh, let's start with the first topic. Uh, we know that oil markets have been extremely volatile given the uh, supply and demand uh, headwinds, but we have seen some more historic moves this week. Uh, we actually saw some uh, prices of futures contracts go negative for the first time on Monday. So uh, certainly historic, historically volatile uh, movements. Uh, if you were to boil it down, what, what are your takeaways from the oil market moves this week? Well, yeah, I think we know the energy market has been challenged. It's been hit by really two things. One is the significant slowing in the global economy due to the coronavirus and the shutdown uh, due to government containment efforts that have significantly curtailed travel and a number of other uh, sort of activities that uh, crude oil uh, is an important input for. So demand has been very weak. And then at the same time, uh, several weeks ago, Saudi Arabia and Russia engaged in uh, a price war uh, significantly overproducing uh, the good. And as you mentioned, that's created a very significant oversupply problem and has caused prices to decline uh, very, very significantly. But uh, this week was exceptional in that because the May futures contract for uh, West Texas intermediate crude oil actually went deeply negative on Monday, which is something we've never seen before. It traded at negative $37 a barrel. And uh, that's frankly very surprising and historic. We know conceptually that a commodity can trade negatively because there are storage costs uh, associated with taking on physical delivery of the good. But nevertheless, this is something we've never seen before. Uh, I think there's a very good blog on this uh, on Russell Investments website from Mark Raskoff and uh, my colleague Alex Kuzli from the, the strategy team. And their conclusion was that uh, this is more of a uh, fluke and sort of a technical problem in energy markets rather than uh, a systemic issue uh, for markets. And uh, how they get to that uh, view is based on a couple of things. Number one, there is actually very little volume traded at those negative prices. Um, if you look at Monday as a whole, the, vo the volume weighted average price was actually uh, positive. And then in addition to that, uh, further out the futures curve, energy contracts for June and beyond were still uh, significantly positive, trading around uh, $20 a barrel or higher than that. And then I think when you, you zoom out from this short-term volatility, over time, we know there's already been some production cuts announced and agreed to. And we know that if containment measures are gradually lifted as we transition into the summer months, demand could start picking up as well. And so I think over time, this or supply issues should uh, clear and we should stay healthily in a, a positive energy price territory. But this was certainly a historic week that caught, uh, caught a lot of the investors' attention. Uh, moving on to the more macroeconomic data side, uh, we've seen some flash PMI numbers come out across several countries. 
Uh, we've seen another historic uh, weekly jobless claim number come out here in the U.S. Uh, and then we've got another fiscal stimulus package. So we'll want to get your, your thoughts on a couple of these. Let's start with the PMI numbers. Uh, I know that they've been uh, pretty extremely negative, but what are your key key takeaways from the PMI numbers? Yeah, these were the first macro data points for the month of April. And um, to put it bluntly, the numbers were horrible everywhere. Uh, it looks like the global economy hit a wall in the month of April. The, the data for the United Kingdom, the United States, the Eurozone, Japan, and Australia, and every single country came in at all-time lows. And uh, while that is uh, striking as a headline, I think most investors already knew that to be the case, similar to what we talked about on the energy issue, uh, the global economy has been effectively closed as a result of uh, government containment efforts. And so everybody was expecting activity uh, levels to be horrific uh, in the month of April. And so I think the headlines themselves are not particularly surprising. Investors have been able to look through it, but definitely real evidence here that uh, the global economy really has slowed very significantly. And on the weekless job, uh, weekly jobless claim number uh, at around 4.4 million, you know, another historic number, but uh, a decline in, in weekly numbers. But is it too early to draw any conclusions on uh, the jobless claim numbers that are coming out? They're still bad. They're just uh, less bad. Um, right now, with the increase that was reported this Thursday, it looks like the U.S. unemployment rate has moved up even further to a level of around uh, 20%. So um, as the U.S. economy has been shuttered, there is uh, evidence here that there have been at least uh, a significant increase in uh, workers that have been temporarily furloughed. Um, and that labor market damage will be important to track uh, going forward. Where we've been more encouraged thinking about the outlook is what governments have done significantly backstopping the consumer with enhanced unemployment benefits. So that should offset this jobless claims data as uh, investors kind of grapple through what the data means. But uh, yeah, another very negative number, but at least directionally less bad. Uh, and that can be a, an encouraging sign for markets. Uh, that leads me to my next question, just about the fiscal stimulus that's about to be passed here at the end of the week. Uh, another mm -hmm. government package. Is this impactful at all to your longer term economic outlook? Not enormously so. So the $484 billion stimulus measure that was passed in the Senate and House this week largely just tops up the pay uh, Paycheck Protection Program, this uh, program that gives forgivable loans to small businesses. That had been a very popular program. It had been fully exhausted in just a span of a couple of weeks. And uh, given small businesses are uniquely impacted by the issues going on with the virus, this was a, a very positive uh, development. But it was something that we expected. We just didn't know exactly when it was uh, going to happen. Uh, I think the key thing for investors from here will be just whether or not governments maintain the commitment that they have thus far to do whatever it takes to keep uh, backstopping any uh, issues uh, for households and businesses that emerge. Thus far, that has been the case. Uh, but globally, we need to keep seeing those encouraging signs going forward. Uh, moving on to our last topic, uh, earnings season here in the U.S. has kicked off. Uh, I know that from talking to several uh, equity money managers over the past several weeks, a lot of investors are approaching the next couple of quarters with extreme caution around their own estimates uh, really just given the lack of visibility and, and management's uh, pulling guidance across the board. So what what is your early read on some of the numbers that have come out now? 
Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of uncertainty here uh, to a degree at the aggregate market level. Investors, I think, are willing to write off very negative results here because of the uncertainty from the virus. But there's a flip side of that as well, that there's very significant dispersion across bottom-up equity analyst estimates at, at the company level that could actually create a pretty ripe uh, active in investment environment going forward. Uh, in terms of how the numbers have come through so far in the United States, we've gotten about 25% of S&P 500 companies reporting so far. What I'm seeing in terms of the blended earnings results, what companies have reported and what's uh, expected for those that haven't yet is an outcome in the second quarter around negative 16%. Uh, that would be roughly in line uh, with what uh, investors should expect in uh, a recessionary environment, which we know that we're in right now. So nothing totally out of line in the data. Um, I think one watch point for us as we transition into next week is we'll start getting more of the mega cap technology companies reporting there's been some pricing in markets that perhaps some of these companies' business models are more insulated from the virus and uh, them being able to demonstrate that in terms of their actual fundamental performance would be important to sustain uh, their resilience so far. So I think that'll be a key one to look out for next week. Great. Thanks, Paul. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, but as always, thanks for your insights. Sure. Thanks, Brian. And thank you to our viewers who are out there. Uh, we'll see you next time on Market Week in Review.